If you don't get into old school, you'd have missed it. See, I'm a 74, bruh. To the bottom of my heart, Glenville High School, Cleveland, Ohio, 1974, when music was music. We had songs back then, as soon as you hear them, your ass just lit up. See, me, I'm an Earth, Wind, and Fire, man. the weekly pseudo-academic roundtable of pop culture analysis with drinking and swearing. My name is Christopher Maverick, but you can call me Mav, and I am once again here with my co-host, Hannah and Wayne. How's it going, guys? Good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you were never, you're just like, uh, I guess. <laughs> That's like how you are every week this, these days. Uh, I mean, like, it's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> Sitting in a room full of fire, and you like the meme. <laughs> Yeah, I was actually just about to say that. It's like, is there a fire meme where the house is burning down around her? It's like, everything's fine. Everything's fine. I'm going to win a bingo. (laughs) Uh, Tell them about bingo. Uh, If you listened to the show last week, uh, we somehow started playing some weird drinking bingo without a bingo card game about all the things we say all the time. So I jokingly made a bingo card, but now I want to play because I want to win because I'm not winning the box office game, so I might as well win something. (laughs) (laughs) And if you'd like to play along, uh, we've made the bingo card available. You can click on the link in the show notes and you will get your own version of the bingo card and see if you can beat Hannah. Uh, <laughs> then, then comment and say so and she'll be very bitter at you no I won't also don't play bingo and drive <laughs> now, now I'm wondering how that would see you just, so, I don't like being told not to do things so, so was bingo the name of the farmer or the dog because it's, it's not really clear in the lyrics I mean I guess this shows you the importance of the English no. language yeah yeah no, the, the, the farmer is old McDonald, and the bingo is the dog. Well, it doesn't. It doesn't say that in the song. Those are two different songs. There was old a McDonald farmer. Had a farmer. Dog. Oh, bingo was his name. Oh, oh yeah, it's just a similar. You're right. Old McDonald. You're right. You could be the different. farmer or the dog. Yeah. Exactly. I was very drunk when I was two. <laughs> <laughs> Nicole's here. Hey, Nicole. <laughs> Hi, Nicole. <laughs> Hi, guys. <laughs> Welcome back to the show. Uh, I should introduce the topic before we introduce the other people, because this is just, I mean, the show hasn't even started yet. And clearly I've already um, started inviting. So (laughs) um, this week we're talking about music and generations, or at least that's where it started. But um, we're talking about the idea for some context this week, as we record Taylor Swift was bounced from the um, number one spot on the iTunes music downloads and the billboard top 40 by the band tool, which pissed off a lot of fans. Cause they were like, who the hell is tool? And, and then I, I tweeted about this and there was much discussion both on Twitter oh, and on Facebook.
Facebook in response to me. <laughs> bingo. That's just one. That's just one mark. You okay. cannot have the bingo yeah, already. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, there was some. So there was that. And I also made a comment uh, about Ozzy Osbourne just guested on a song by Post Malone. And Post Malone's fans were like, oh, Post Malone's going to make this Ozzy guy's career. And then a lot of Ozzy Osbourne fans got uh, got upset. And then, like I said, there was a lot of discussion. So we decided to do a show on that. And before we get into that, I want to introduce um, two of our other guests. Um, as you've heard on the show before, our epic theme song that builds ever so more epically <laughs> was recorded by my friend Max, who's been on the show. And Max is back. Hey, Max. <laughs> Hello. Uh, so, um, how are you doing today? Yeah. And why did you want to be here? <laughs> I hate you all, by the way. Um, <laughs> I, I want to be here because you called Tool irrelevant. I didn't say they were irrelevant. That's not what I said. You, you, you said they were not relevant. I said they were not relevant. I, or I said, no, yeah, I said they were not as words. relevant as Taylor Swift. I was, I was very specific. I, and uh-huh. I said they were. Anyways, I took issue with that and I hate you. So I can't. Uh, our epic theme song has been replaced. We were taking up <laughs> by, by a Taylor Swift song. No, no veto, veto, veto. Taylor will sue us. We're not. We're not using a Taylor Swift song without without express permission. Um, but you brought a you brought a friend who I've not met. So okay. yeah, this is Marisa. Hey, Marisa. Hi, everybody. Hi, Marisa. <laughs> Hello. If, if we haven't scared you off already with yeah, this nonsense. I'm, I'm real sorry. I know. Uh, this sounds like every friend group I ever had. <laughs> well, what made you want to be here? Uh, I am a Tool fan, but I think I'm mostly here because I am the token millennial. So, uh, hi, guys. I'm, I'm younger than all of you, and uh, that's why I'm here. Wait. How old are you? Oh, I, I might not be younger than you. I'm 33. You're, you're older than him. Oh, I am. I'm still the youngest. Ooh, I am not used to being older than anybody. So good. Yeah, that's so young. She's not allowed to swear on the lying. show. <laughs> also, Marisa's lying about her age. She's. <laughs> now, wait. Oh. We're going. If we, if we can count what the internet quizzes say, then I'm only 21. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like 12. Come on. <laughs> Mentally. Yeah. I have CDs older than him. <laughs> so do I. It's, yeah. And that's and that's actual CDs. If you, that's what, that's yeah, what actual going CDs, into cassettes yeah. and vinyl and the few eight tracks I still have. Right, right. Yeah, not, I know. I have, I have records older than myself. I know. Yeah. The, the new technology of the CD. <laughs> <laughs> so so we we wanted to talk this week about I mean, as Max pointed out I did say um during an argument I I argued that yes I understand that Tool has fans that wasn't my point my point was they're not relevant enough to where you should be surprised that Taylor Swift fans in 2019 are like, who the hell are these people? Tool's last album was 13 years ago. Her fans are primarily 16 year olds. They were three and not listening to math rock <laughs> in 19, uh, 2000, 
Damn it. I can't do math. Whatever year that 2003. was. 2003. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I am a professional English major. I do not do math. <laughs> and I, 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 I have at least one friend who is probably around Hannah's age, a little older, actually, um, who, who is a Taylor Swift fan. So, <laughs> so it, it does, you know, she was listening to that mm-hmm. stuff. She's been listening to Taylor for a while. Taylor's been around longer than I realize, I think. Yeah, well, she, Taylor's been around for like 10 years. Yeah. She, she's been recording for, yeah. uh, for a good decade. She's yeah. not new. Right. So, so a lot of her fans are, you know, in their twenties. So her original fan base, I mean, that I'm sure she has fans who are my age and older, but the original, what we think of as the Taylor Swift sure, fan sure. base. And, and well, I mean, Wayne and I were talking in preparation for the show earlier and was talking about things like, you know, you, you think of um, when you're an old fogey like us, you think of like, Oh, these kids today listening to their Britney Spears and everything. And, and just, if you, do you know when Britney is eligible for the rock and roll hall of fame? Four years from now, Britney's been around for 21 years. <laughs> Her album dropped a long time ago. So like, the, so not, not a new band. Um, but to answer Max's question, I wasn't saying Tool is irrelevant. Tool obviously has a lot of fans. They're number one on the charts right now. What I was saying was they do not have the cultural cachet Certainly, certainly not in 2019. And I'd argue they've never had the cultural cachet that a Taylor Swift has. So it's not surprising that, you know, 16 year olds today yeah. don't know who they are. I, I've never seen a member of Tool on a nationwide commercial like I've seen on Taylor Swift every day for the last month. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that was my actual argument. And then people took offense at yeah. me because they're like, oh, no. And some people were like, uh, some people, Tool's current. I'm like, they haven't had an album in 13 years. They're current now. Well, and <laughs> the, 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 with the Aussie thing, you know, on, on your thread on Facebook, someone commented about, he, he was on a TV show on MTV, which was canceled 15 years ago. Years ago. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and and part of the idea of that show is he was washed up. Nobody knew who he was. That then. was the joke of the show was he was this old man who was completely out of touch. That was the point of the Osbournes. And that ended in 2004. It was, he's old. Ozzy's 70. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, now, yeah. frankly, by the way, I've listened to the new song with Post Malone and I actually like it a lot. It sounds like every other Ozzy Osbourne song you've ever heard. <laughs> and again, I'm a, I like Ozzy, but Ozzy has a definitive yeah. sound and his, yeah. his song with Post Malone, it doesn't sound like a Post Malone song. It sounds like every Ozzy Osbourne song. And you go, oh yeah, yeah, that 70 years old sounds exactly like he did when he was 20. That, that's Ozzy. Um, I think it works both ways though, because when we were planning, yeah. when we were planning the show and um, in the blog post, Wayne, your comment at the end, I mean, I wrote this nice, long, eloquent blog post about, you know, my thoughts on the system and, and Wayne's like, I want to add to this. And he added something. And what did you say? I have no idea who Post Malone is. And that was your entire country. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, be, because I, I'm, I'm old and I, you know, I'm a music hobbyist, but I'm, I realize I'm out of touch with a lot of, of what's happening now. Um, there are new bands I listen to. I'm always trying to discover new stuff, but I you know, new release Friday. Okay. I have Spotify. If you look at their new releases on Friday, there will be, you know, 50 new re- releases. And on any given Friday, if I know three of the bands, I, I count myself lucky. Oh, but can I, can I tell him <laughs> now? Not yet. Not yet Cause, Cause Nicole, you, you oh. also, um, had a similar <laughs> and Nicole asked to be on the show and I said she could on the single condition that she does not Google Post Malone ahead of time <laughs> I, I did not I did not and although I talked about this today at lunch with 
uh, with some colleagues and um, one of them who is just as old as I am said, hey, I know who Post Malone is. I'm like, all right, well, okay, I guess I'm just out of it then. <laughs> now, Hannah, you you were younger. Well, actually, first, Marisa and Max, did you guys know who, they, who he was? Well, Max did because Max hates him. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I already knew who he was. <laughs> I, when, I, when I heard the name, my brain went to the phrase Pogue Mahone, which is where the band The Pogues get their name from, and it's Irish for kiss my ass. The first time I ever heard of him a year or two ago, I, I thought that someone was like mistalking about like they were misnaming Carl the Mailman Malone. Okay. <laughs> well, I didn't know who Post Malone was when we started talking about the show and I was going to reserve that not knowing. But then I went on a run today because that's something I do now. And this song from Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, Sunflower, came on and I looked down yes. and the artist was Post Malone. And I was like, oh. Yes, I do know. Well, I do know what Postman is, <laughs> which means that that, that yeah. I have heard him. <laughs> Yeah, if you ever get spider powers and then you don't know how to turn them off and you need to center yourself and sort of like sort of emotionally center yourself, what you do is you hum this. I'm going to see you. Miles, you got to unstick. What do you do to relax? Relax. Oh, for crying out loud. Now, did you literally just save this for the show? <laughs> yes, I did. Ah! Teenagers just don't work. So, so he's not going to sue us not. like Taylor was, right? <laughs> if we analyze it, I think we analyze it, it's fair use because it was so short. It was, it was yeah, I just said. But yes, it was the, um, the, it is the song that Miles sings to himself uh, throughout okay. the movie. And, oh, you know, which I know you've both seen probably multiple times or just once? Just once. Nicole? Just at least a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> Hannah watches it daily. <laughs> no, okay. That was an over-exaggeration. Uh, well, you know, young, young people are known to watch things over and over for comfort. So. Uh, but yes, Post Malone is on the Spider-Man soundtrack. Okay. <laughs> the Spider-Verse soundtrack, I should say. I, I guess what comes up with this is that whole thing of, you know, young people not knowing old people stuff and old people not knowing young people stuff. Like, that's always been true to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. There's so much to know. Uh, and I think if anything, it's worse than, than it used to be. Right. <laughs> and, and, and should, you know, should someone who's 19 years old know or care who Ozzy Osbourne is? And I think there's another dimension to it, too. There's old versus young, but there's also pop versus not pop. Mm -hmm. Or any other niche. Yeah, yeah. Uh, friend of the show, John Dorowski made a comment that he thinks one of the failings is the breakdown of monoculture, which I think is something we should sort of, you know, given this is a pop culture analysis roundtable, um, it's something that we should sort of maybe think about because I think he's right. Yeah, I agree. Who tool, I'm going to say was, still is, but even in their... It's it's only been a week this album's been out, or has it even been a week? It was last Friday as we record this, I think it dropped. So, mm -hmm. Has it been two weeks? It's been two weeks now. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. They one um, for two weeks. Okay, as a Tool fan, Marisa and Max, as a Tool fan, would you consider this right now the heyday of Tool? That's a great question. I personally think that it could be the re-emerging right. of Tool. 
And I am, I'm a music critic. Um, I write for Koma Music Magazine. And I just have to say that the one thing that Tool did that is pretty amazing is even though they hadn't released an album for 13 years, they still did stay around. They were still touring, selling out concerts within minutes. We tried to get tickets for one. It was just horrible because of how quickly they were going. Um, and I think that shows some real staying power. I think this album has just ramped it up for the now. And I think that's what Max was getting at with the, you know, for their fans, for the specific subculture that tool is a part of they're obviously very relevant um but they were never you know 20 years ago when tool was you know releasing an album every couple of years i think their their biggest gap before now was like four years i think i looked it up before now i've forgotten because i'm old but they have an album every two years every every four years um and then they you know they essentially have done nothing new for the last 13 but even then they were a niche band they were a very popular niche band for their niche but in the 90s they weren't competing with I'm trying who who was, who was big in the 90s you know they weren't competing Hootie and the Blowfish Hootie and the Blowfish or Pearl Jam you know or you know like yeah. no one they weren't they weren't going to be on that level of popularity um and I'm not I'm not I'm not speaking to their actual musical ability or talent I'm saying they you know they were niche Okay, I, my my tool anecdote, which Mav, you knew I was going to tell this before the, the show was over. Um, I, I'm I'm a bit of a music hobbyist. The, the stuff that I like, I get into, and I I look into the history of it, and whatever. Because I read a lot about music, I have heard of Tool in the last thirty years. I don't know that I had ever listened to them. So while I was aware of the name and vaguely who they were and genre, I'd never listened to them. Didn't know anything about them at all. Which you know, when their guitarist Adam Jones came into my store last year to buy a shit ton of old Silver Age comics, I didn't know who he was <laughs> until I heard his handler saying, "Hey, we need to get back to stage AE before you know we we need to do sound check." And I went, "Huh." Hey Google, <laughs> who's playing at Stage AE tonight? <laughs> cool. All right, let me look them up and see which one this guy is. <laughs> so I now have a picture with the guitarist Tool in my store. Hey, stop! You're famous. I, I need to get your picture. Who I didn't know who he was ten minutes before Google. Uh, oh wow! So that is that is perfect. <laughs> And thank you, Adam Jones, for buying a shit ton of silver age comics in my store. <laughs> somehow you managed to hear this. I'm sorry, I didn't know who you were. And uh, knowing Wayne's <laughs> musical taste, having heard both groups, I'm going to go out on a limb that says, if you gun to his head, if Wayne has to choose which CD he's going to listen to between Taylor and Tool, Tool, absolutely. Probably, yeah. Probably. <laughs> but you'd recognize Taylor if she walked into the store. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what and I was I would get my at. picture taken with her. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whether she bought Silver Age comics or not. <laughs> but to the point, I don't think it's just age. I, I do think it, it's age and it's, you know, what you're into. And, you know, John's point was and we should define monoculture. Monoculture was. There's a lot of points to it. Uh, monoculture as a sociological concept is um, it's actually kind of bad and, and sort of out of fashion. But it's the theory that the culture of a people of a society is homogenous 
and generally dictated by the overclass of that culture. So in America, for most of our existence, the culture has been defined largely by 20 to 45 year old white men. That's been the the relevant in power um, culture. Mm-hmm. And most of our media, be it television shows or movies or music or comic books, has been aimed at that group. Now, sometimes you skew a little lower, like comics and music tend to skew towards teenagers more so than 30 somethings. Television's right in that butter zone of 20 to 40, um, but that's what it's usually built towards. And then in the last couple of decades, we've sort of moved towards multiculturalism, which primarily looking at things at, at groups of people who are demographically not white males. So other races, other genders, um, not necessarily straight. You end up with people being able to, you end up with television shows that aim at different groups, but that's always been what defined the pop charts and music. And then once we got to a point where you could stream anything, and I mean, television shows and music and comics and whatever movies, you've sort of got a little more access now. Like you don't have to listen to a top 40 station because it's the only thing that's broadcasting in your neighborhood, you know, you've got Spotify. You can listen to whatever hell you want. And, and, and I think that's from a practical point of view, that's who you know, media was created by and for. You know, when I was growing up, there were three networks. And if you were lucky and had a good antenna on the right day, you could get PBS. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, just in terms of what everyone was exposed to, there was, there, you know, radio was programmed, you know, and then FM was introduced, and suddenly you had a slightly wider variety of stuff. In the old days, nobody broadcast against the Super Bowl. That was stupid. Yeah. You're just wasting a show. You, you know, who shot JR? We're finding um, out tonight. All right, we're running, we're airing reruns because mm-hmm. no and one's every, going to tune in. And everybody in the country knew what was going on with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it just it was that shared cultural experience through media of you know everybody's listening to the same music. And when I say everybody, I mean obviously. I mean there there were you know there were soul stations and and, and country stations and whatever in terms of music. And like with three channels, you couldn't record anything back then. So if you were watching Columbo, you weren't watching whatever else was on another channel. Mm-hmm. Um, but in general, your your choices were far more limited. So you know anybody of my generation, I can go, hey, remember that episode of Scooby? we do and we have something in common mm-hmm. and that doesn't work quite the same way anymore right or what was such a big deal when you got hbo <laughs> right i mean yeah when hbo was the yeah place to oh oh no, this is so cool but it was right. the only option yeah i don't know about I, i'm not sure if i'm agreeing with the the 20 to 40 year old men setting what's popular with music. I think there's a really big demographic that's targeted towards teeny boppers and always has been. I mean, I don't know. Well, it it was, it it was aimed at that age group as for marketing. The decisions of what was being recorded were certainly 40 year old men. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'll give you that. Um, But I mean, a lot of the performers and and what it was aimed at was a a younger demographic. Yeah, absolutely. And is that, I mean, because you were saying how Taylor Swift's fans now are, they're older, but when she first came out and was so popular, you're saying she was popular with 15 year olds. She still is, isn't she? Well, I'm just saying when she started. Yeah, she's still, I think she's popular with basically anyone who's a teenager, but like, yeah, I was, I was a teenager when she started, like uh, Kesha, who came out around the same time, started years ago. Uh, And 
And I, I mean, like, I think that she is still popular with teenagers, but also it's like people, especially with her newer stuff, like she has quote unquote grown up um, and like changed what she's decided to like cover in her albums. It's not just tick tock on the clock anymore. <laughs> uh, and, and honestly, it never was. Everyone should have a deeper appreciation of Kesha. We will talk about that one day, but I'll shut up now. <laughs> Can I have the Kesha spot on my bingo card twice? Is that it? <laughs> no. Oh, I'm almost to a bingo. I just need Wayne to talk about Bowie. It seems like something that could come up. And now he never will. That would also do it for me. So <laughs> we need more complex cards, but for next time. I think Nicole's right. It was never the case that there was nothing else around or that those were the only target groups, right? During that conversation, someone was making the point that Marisa made, which is, yeah, but Tool's always been relevant. They, you know, last week they sold out an arena of 20,000 people within minutes. Because I'd, I'd mentioned, well, there's lots of niche groups that I like. For instance, I said Zap and Roger. I love Zap and Roger, but I wouldn't say that they are culturally relevant in 2019. And um, the person I was arguing with said, well, could they sell out 20,000 seats in, in, in 10 minutes? And it's like, okay, first of all, 20,000 is not actually that big an arena. You know, it's not a small hall, but it's not that impressive. But also, yes, Zap and Roger do sell out 20,000 seats routinely. They've been touring for almost 40 years now, continue to do so. I know for a fact that they're on one of the biggest tours of their life right now. And um, like right now, they're on tour with Ice Cube and EB40. So they are absolutely selling 20,000 tickets right now. And granted, you know, of those 20,000 tickets, maybe five of them are to white people. <laughs> you know, everybody else is going to be black in that audience. But I don't expect anybody to know who the Zap Band is. Having seen them a year ago with George Clinton, I, I agree with those statistics in terms of the composition of the audience. Yeah, it's going to be all black people, probably most of them in their 40s, 50s and 60s. Maybe a few younger people. And, and, and why is that not relevant? Again, to, the word relevance is, kind of, is sort of a weird, scary word. Because you know, if you go back to... Is it something invented by the entertainment industrial complex to, um, you know, enforce conformity and shallow... <laughs> oh, good, good um, I'd say, it, I, I'd yeah. say it's more hegemony than, than conformity. Because I don't think they're trying to... Okay. I, like Tool or Zap and Roger are not, I should say, by the way, I should say the Zap band. Um, technically, Roger is not selling 20,000 tickets because he's been dead for 20 years, but Zap is still touring <laughs> without Roger. You know, they're still playing the same songs, but but Roger's dead, so he's not selling any tickets. Um, they were amazing. <laughs> they were really good. Um, they were really amazing. But I don't think Zap and I don't think Tool particularly cares to be part of the mass. I mean, the fact that tools on the pop charts at all right now, I'm sure they're like, huh, neat. How'd that happen? Okay. <laughs> you, you know, but, but, but that's never been their goal. Agreed there. I don't think that's a bad thing, but I do think that there's a difference between when something becomes a cultural phenomenon. I'm going to, I'm going to move to movies briefly. Um, Avengers is the biggest movie of all time. Everyone saw that, or and actually, World Box. I, I well. didn't. Don't spoil it. Sure, but I, it doesn't matter. Max, Max, go see it so I can beat Max. <laughs> but it's but it's it's a huge thing that I, I'm I'm looking at the bingo card and not and it's affecting my ability to actually have this conversation, Hannah. But I'm going to say high versus low culture. So <laughs> fine. <laughs> but um, bingo. yes. Um, I, I think that there is a mass culture 
that exist with something like Avengers. Doesn't make doesn't make it the best movie of the year. Doesn't make it my favorite movie of the year. But I'd say it is culturally relevant in a way that Booksmart was not. Booksmart is a better movie. Sorry, <laughs> but they, you know um, now Booksmart's a better movie coming from me, who is a a a movie buff and b a hoity-toity cultural elitist. You know, like literally, I study pop culture for a living, so I'm sitting there and I'm looking at it from a literary "what does this film have to say" perspective. I understand that Avengers means more to more people. I understand if we go back to last year that Black Panther was a massively culturally relevant movie for 2018, even though if you listen to our Oscar show, I was like, no, it doesn't deserve best picture. It was not the best picture. Um, But it is, there is a cultural relevance to it in a way that I think, uh, like, I, I don't think you can argue that Tool is ever going to be more relevant than Taylor Swift. They're just not. Because relevance is a mark of what is the impact to culture at large. And she's had a larger yeah. impact, like literally larger Has she? Yeah, I, quantity. I mean, like pure quantity, more people know who she is. Right. I mean, because there is such a thing as you know, personal relevance. Absolutely. I mean, you know, a, a man can be absolutely relevant to me and my life, you know, defining in many, many ways. Um, for example, Hannah. One of the artists who is that for me is Nick Cave. <laughs> but I would make no argument that he is relevant in the I, way that I, some I, other artists I are, like, you know, certain like glam stars of the 70s. We had like, videos <laughs> really affects the show. You're so good at you're seeing things for Dick, what I'm showing you. <laughs> okay so it's been 13 years since tool released an album is taylor swift going to still be as relevant in 13 years or is it going to be is there going to be a new crop of of people going oh my god who is this taylor swift person who's knocking my favorite band out of the number one yes i think the answer to both of those questions is yes i think taylor and again i'm not a fan she's fine i've heard her music she's fine i'm never gonna buy an album i i think she has staying power in a way that a lot of those artists don't is she still gonna be around in 13 years yeah she is she's big enough she's good enough from from a technical perspective of being a pop star i can say now that she will be around in 13 years Um, she's been around for 10 uh, you know, provided she doesn't die, if she's hit by a bus, sure. But uh, but assuming she's healthy and continues to record, sure, she'll she'll be around in a way mm-hmm. that I don't think I ever would have said that about Debbie Gibson back in her day. <laughs> you know, even though even though they're they're similar. And if Taylor Swift is hit by a bus, she will achieve more cultural refer- relevance. Right. Yes. All right. While we're while we're talking about hitting Taylor Swift with buses, uh, I just want to ask the question. Let's just consider for a moment. In terms of relevance, um, how exactly would the culture be different if she had never existed? Oh, are we doing? Are we doing like yesterday but with Taylor Swift? <laughs> yes, yes. Fine. If that were the case, honestly, I think it would. I think it would. Oh God, I, I hate giving her this much credit, but um, yeah, Taylor for her fan base has brought a lot of awareness to. I mean, she is super powerful with the people who like her. So um, she can she can make or break a charity and has 
just by mentioning her name. Now, would there have been somebody else? If Taylor Swift didn't exist, we'd have to invent her, right? Like someone else would have taken that spot. That's my point, I think. Yeah. And I don't for a minute think that um, Taylor Swift is trying to. Okay. So here's where I can distinguish Tool has done something that I think is better than what Taylor's done. Um, If Taylor didn't exist, there'd be some other pop princess at the top of the charts. If Tool doesn't exist, I don't know that math rock matters at all. That said, Tool does exist. And I don't think math rock matters (laughs) as much as, you know, whatever pop princess would have taken Taylor's spot. Like, I I don't think they've have as wide an impact. They probably have a more impressive impact, if that makes sense. Like, they've done something that I think is harder to do. It's a quantity versus quality issue. Um, I'm a huge fan of, uh, you, you mentioned George Clinton. I think George Clinton is massively influential. George Clinton changed the R&B industry and the hip hop industry, uh, you know, two genres of music. He, and, and obviously the funk industry, but like, that's not going to be as popular today. And I, I'm a huge fan. So I think he's done something that is massively important to music. But if I have to answer the question of who's more relevant to culture at large between George Clinton and Prince, that's not a, that's not a battle. Like it's, the answer is Prince. It's, it just is. Although, you make the argument that George Clinton is relevant, whether people have heard of him or not. Yes. And I think that's, and I think that's fair of tool to a lesser extent than yeah. Clinton, but still, but I, but I do think that's, I think that's true. I, I do think that there's, there's a question of how, you know, how have they influenced music enthusiasts, you know, be they musicians mm-hmm. or critics or just fans versus there's a question of how they influence culture at large. Yeah. And I, you know, Taylor's in, in commercials for shoes, you know, and she's well, a singer. And, <laughs> to bring, bring it to the comics thing. You know, I, I've said to people for years that, you know, if whether you know who Jack Kirby is or not, if you're reading superhero comics, you're reading comics influenced by Jack Kirby. Or moreover, even like, comics enthusiasts know Jack comics. Kirby, but Will Eisner. Yeah. Will yeah. Eisner is not like you have to be you have to be a comic scholar to really know the influence of Will Eisner. Mm-hmm. But every person who's ever read a comic book or seen an or seen an Avengers movie, which is everybody, you know, yeah. owes a debt to Will Eisner that they'll just never know. Yeah. So you know, once again, there is relevance. He is hugely relevant to the art form. But, yes. But he he'll never be Taylor Swift. No. And that's okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. yeah. We should all never be Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> that was mean. I don't hate her that much. <laughs> I, I, I always think it's weird to hate on somebody just because they're popular. I mean, it's really easy for me to just not listen to Taylor Swift or anybody else that I don't like. Mm. Like, I don't have anything against Tool. I'm not a huge Tool fan. But I've heard them. They're fine. I, you know, they're not. You know, and again, they're not my kind of music. I'm a poor black kid from Cleveland. Like if I heard 12 hard rock songs before I went to college, <laughs> hard rock or metal or anything that wasn't, you know, hip hop or funk <laughs> like or R&B, you know, before I was 18 years old, uh, that might be the most like so like it, which illustrates that the monoculture wasn't as mono as we think it is. Never, Well, never was. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, I, I I graduated high school in 1992. I was alive. And, then. you know, it's. Uh, <laughs> 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 
I, I, there's no bingo slip for, for Hannah reminding us how how young she is. There should be. But I mean, it certainly wasn't the 50s in, in 1992. But I don't think that there I think we weren't quite at the point yet where for the macro culture, for culture at large, um, the niche culture of black music was not as pervasive. You know, Beyonce hadn't well, happened yet. Run DMC well, had, but Beyonce yeah. hadn't happened yet. Right. The and, difference the difference between our ages, Matt, just the is that by the early 80s radio had become increasingly niche yeah you know, radio program like because I, you know, I remember in the late 70s as a teenager listening to to radio you know dve which is the local rock station now it's like they they're, they're still playing led zeppelin as often as they did in 1974 mm-hmm. um and and you know and at that time they were playing new music they will probably deny this now but i know i could hear led zeppelin followed by leo sayer followed by the Bee Gees, mm-hmm. followed by Black Sabbath, all on that station, because it was all just rock music. Mm-hmm. They would never play Leo Sayer on the Electric Lunch today. <laughs> you know? and, and neither then nor now were Zapp and Roger ever going to, well, just wasn't going to happen um, for me. Although I did, I, I heard Stevie wonder there. So they, they were playing Stevie, but for me and every other black kid in, in Cleveland, um, 93 FM was just the only radio station that anybody ever listened to. 93 FM yeah. WZAK was all black music all the time. We had our own, our own radio station. That's where you went. BET. If you were into music videos, I, I surprised Marcel a couple of times by knowing all the words to you make me feel brand new by the stylistics mm-hmm. and and uh, uh the the chaka khan song because mm-hmm. <laughs> i was hearing those on the radio <laughs> along with all the other artists i was listening to but that that very definitely became more uh, divergence not really the right word more you know, every radio, radio station became its own little ghetto of genre mm-hmm. you mentioned 1992 and it just reminded me of <laughs> that's when wayne's world the film came out and there was Are someone that I worked with, <laughs> that I worked with, and they they said to me, "Oh, have you heard this new Queen song?" Yeah. <laughs> and I yeah. just thought, well, no. I mean, <laughs> it's like, and, um, and I think that movie popularized that song not only to a new generation, but beyond yeah. what it was in the seventies. Mm-hmm. I, I I agree. I mean. <laughs> The, the life of it and but then we got you know last year we got Bohemian Rhapsody the film and sort of Queen mm-hmm. came back around and now Queen is touring again well you know most of Queen yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> you mean Adam what's his name yeah. in, their, in his backup band I know some people saw that show and they said it was Fantastic. Um, you know, Brian May and Roger Taylor were still, you know, just dead on and, and Lambert was, you know, a credible replacement. He wasn't trying to be Freddie. Um, but you know, once again Freddie's been dead for twenty something years. <laughs> yeah. Almost thirty. Okay, but we we've, we've I mean like I guess this is gets at something that's a little different because we've talked about like bands putting out new, new material and coming back and then just like super popular figures like Taylor Swift, who despite like what their influence on the genre overall might be, they're just super popular because they've hit something. But what about like, what about bands um, or like um, artists who like people say like, oh, no one listens to them anymore. And then like they get a moment for some reason. Like I, I think I was like one of 10 people who saw Blinded by the Light this summer. 
but I saw that. I thought I thought it was really yeah, good. I, um, I really enjoyed it. Um, and it's you know part of but the plot of that is it's um about a kid um in England who listens to Bruce Springsteen in the eighties, and someone says to him, "Well, no one listens to anymore," but it becomes deeply meaningful for him. And I mean, I'm the person who named my dissertation after a 70s song. So, oh, no. For the record, my computer just freezed and I thought it was going to crash and it didn't. So yeah, you faded there for a second. I guess we can kind of zincast your brakes. Ooh, which means I do hit a bingo <laughs> for real this time. Um, <laughs> so I, no, I can't cut that out. Uh, anyway, but like, so are there, are there like musical artists that like have just like continued to like have cultural relevancy, even if they haven't like put out new things or they've come back around to mean something different to a new generation? I think Queen certainly fits there. Yeah. Um, I mean, twice as, as Nicole pointed out. Um, who else? There's probably there's got to be a lot of them. Marisa, you're you're a music critic. Who can you think of? Well, honestly, off the top of my head, I would say I think that is what Tool is trying to do right now. I think with their new album, um, they're trying to have their comeback to, you know, open up to a new generation who doesn't know who they are. You know, those kids that weren't around in the 90s, early 2000s, whenever they were first putting out a bunch of stuff. Um, this new album and all of the hubbub around it are now going to suck those people in. They're going to look oh, up who great. Tool is. They're going to start listening to some of that music. And I really think that that's what they're trying to do. And I actually had a conversation with Max and a few of our other friends um, about a week ago or so. And I was talking about like just the pure marketing genius yes. behind what Tool has done. The fact that they haven't put out something in 13 years, but were able to still sell out all of those shows. And then when they, you know, they stayed off of street streaming sites. They weren't on Spotify or Apple Music or anything like that with Tool. Um, and then all of a sudden, right before they released this album, they threw everything, their entire discography yeah. onto these streaming sites. And then suddenly they had the t all of the top 10 songs on the digital charts for you know that week whenever they threw those on there. And then they threw out this album. I mean, and even, let's face it, Maynard putting out, you know, tweeting mm -hmm. this meme um, about Taylor Swift and jumping into that absolute yeah. pure marketing genius and it bringing around yeah. that new generation, yeah. just like I think they wanted. I think this fight with Taylor, such that it is, is the best thing that could happen to them. I mean, so how relevant is she there? I mean, they're certainly not influenced by her at all, right? But like their fight with her is selling albums I, for I, them. I like to imagine the Taylor Absolutely. fans going, who the fuck is Tool and looking them up on YouTube? And like finding some of their videos and most of the fans will be scared and turn it off and run away. You know, maybe a few will find something interesting. I hope that for everybody. I mean, and, and again, to give Taylor some credit, she knows what she's doing too. Um, Max and I were talking about this as well. Um, Taylor had her argument, her feud with Kanye um, on and off. Um, she milked it for everything that she's, that it was worth. And she knows that her fans um, are sycophants. She, I mean, she, she does know that she would never call them that, but she knows that like, if they get angry at somebody because someone says something mean about her that, you know, they'll jump to her defense and she'll sell more albums. She understands that she's very good at what but she should does. Should we say something mean about Taylor Swift here? So she will 
tweet it out and we'll get because she also sues people. Uh, okay. <laughs> Again, I'm very, I'm very afraid okay. of her. I, I, I was just thinking if we she, were in a feud with her, we get might get more likes and actually a review or what, two. But yeah, one would hope. If we said something critical about her music, she couldn't sue us. Yeah, but then yeah. Well, I mean, she could get, probably get thrown out yeah. based on my very legal knowledge. <laughs> I, uh, I don't have the I don't have the money to fight her. I prefer uh, Dwayne Johnson's uh, uh, lip sync of "Shake It Off" to Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen that, but now I will. No, I'll be googling that. Shake it off. And yeah, that's he's probably the only Taylor Swift song I can name. He, he he's so good that I'm like, you practice that a lot in the shower. <laughs> His second song that he does in in that show is staying alive. So that's ah. an interesting combo. Yeah. I did want to talk about one more concept. I was talking with my wife, Stephanie, before we recorded, and she pointed me to a psychological concept called expert blind spot, which I think might also explain some of like sort of the confusion where um, like the argument that I had where people were like, oh, no, t- you know, tool is huge. And then other people were reading. I've never heard of tool. Um, you know, Post Malone is huge. Wayne had never heard of him, even though you've seen a movie yeah. where that's a massive joke in the movie, you know? Um, so an expert blind spot is sort of the reverse of the Dunning-Kruger effect. Uh, Dunning-Kruger effect, I think we've said on the show before, it's when you don't know what you don't know. So people who have a medium amount of knowledge tend to think that they are more experts in a field than they are. And the more you learn, the more you're like, oh, well, eh, I, this is the, to the best of my knowledge. So so like the, so people who um, are lower skilled in something tend to assume they know way more than they do. Um, Dunning Kruger effect. And um, so expert blind spot is people who are experts in something often don't realize that not everybody else knows the same stuff. So um, they forget how hard it was for them to become experts or this probably happens a lot for us as comic fans, right? Like um, somebody asked me when I was doing uh, my exams for my, um, for my PhD, um, I use the term golden age, silver age, bronze age, modern age. And um, one of my committee members said, you said that like three times and it's in your written example. And they're like, well, you know, are those like, just like when are the golden age and the silver age and the bronze age? And I was like, uh, 1938 to 1955, 1955 to 1976, 1976 to 1985 and 85 to now. And you're like, you just know that, like, you know, those are exact dates. And I was like, pretty close. And it's like, you just. <laughs> Debatable depending on who you talk to, but yeah. Right. But, yeah. but pretty yeah. close. And they're like, well, how, how do you, how do you know that? Where's that written down? And I was like, I don't, I don't know how I know that. I've, I've known that since I was seven. I, it, it's just, it's just in my head. And as comic scholars, Wayne, Nicole, you might quibble on, on one year right. to or from on either. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, but that's it. Yeah. No one's going to say that the golden age of comics starts in 1975. It doesn't. It starts in 1938. That's it. That's just the answer. And, and we know that. Um, but like, where do you learn that? I don't know. And now I almost sort of assume that anybody knows that. And I think that, you know, if you are enough into a band, I might assume like I'm sort of freaked out when somebody um, if I mention 
I mentioned something about P-Funk, of which I'm a big fan, and somebody doesn't know them. I'm like, how do you not how do you not know who George Clinton is? You know, <laughs> how, do, how do you not know these things? Everybody knows these things. I know that people don't know Zapp and Roger, but it, but it weirds me out when people suddenly don't know who George Clinton is in the P-Funk All-Stars or don't know what the difference is between a Parliament and a Funkadelic because it's obvious they're two entirely different bands. What's wrong with you? Yes, I realize they have the same lead singer. And yes, I realize they were both dropping albums at the same time, but they're very, very different. And I'm a fan of both. Then there's the, the mashup of the P-Funk All-Stars, but that's a whole other Yes, <laughs> P-Funk All-Stars happen later. And see, and, but see, I, I know these things, but they're not really common knowledge. I just forget because I'm so into P-Funk. And I think that it probably appears to people who are massive Tool fans that everybody knows Tool. And then you're like, what yeah. do you mean you don't know? And it, you know, probably everybody who's a big Post Malone fan is like, how can you not know who Post Malone is? Everybody knows who Post Malone is. Well, but you don't realize how small a niche, you know, in a multiculture instead of a monoculture, you don't realize how insular your subculture can be. Even if it seems huge. You know, even if someone legitimately has a lot of fans, mm -hmm. it's it's a big world. And it, yeah, it might and it might be huge, but there might just be very little overlap, right? Yeah, I see that more. I run into that more actually with with movies. I mean, I it's odd. I guess I assume that I'm so used to people not knowing much about my two favorite bands, which are Rush and Indigo Girls. And yes, that makes complete sense to me. So I, I've seen both of them. <laughs> but um, but I'm I, so I don't really think of I, th I guess I'm more accepting of it with music. But then when it comes to films and, and I'm like, what what do you mean you've never seen The Princess Bride? Or what do you mean you haven't seen <laughs> Raiders of the Lost Ark? I mean, that there are certain things that I think, well, how can you not know that? I mean, I don't expect everybody to mm -hmm. have seen Flash Gordon. I think everyone should, but I don't expect it. <laughs> but then there are those movies that I feel like, okay, wait, how do you not know that? What, what's wrong with you? Also, can I just interject and say that you should not remake The Princess Bride? Yes. <laughs> that's been in the news this week. And now you know when we're recording. That, but yes. That's all. That's, that's the entire point. We can get back to what you were saying. Oh, no, no, you are absolutely right. <laughs> well, I, I guess you know, so much of this just comes back to that idea for me of you know, how much of that is anybody expected to know and, and how relevant is it to know that stuff? You know, when mm -hmm. If you're 19, does it matter if you know you know anything about Rush or Ozzy Osbourne or whatever? And, and if you're 50, does it matter if you know anything about Post Malone? See, as hobbyists with music and, and comics, you know, I'm someone who is always... Oh, where did this come from? What preceded this? You know, mm -hmm. I, I like looking and seeing who created this stuff, following those pathways to other things and, and discovering stuff. But I, you know, I realized that because I'm an obsessive hobbyist with this stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, not everybody needs to know who lettered the X-Men for 20 years. <laughs> Tom Orzakowski. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was literally going to say. <laughs> um, well, and, and here's here's what's weird though. So we have on this show before. We've never done a show on it, but we've talked about how all four of the of the of the normal hosts and many of our guests sort of have a displeasure at the concept of canon. You know, canons tend to be weird in that, to Max's point, they're sort of chosen by people. Um, how did you phrase it? The, you know... Um, entertainment industrial complex. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And often it's the academic complex that does it, but whatever, it doesn't matter. That said, I think that having a cultural touchstone just to facilitate conversation is useful. In the movie world, 
you're weird if you haven't seen Star Wars. Like, I mean, maybe you've not seen not seen one, but you should know who they are. Like, it's going to come yeah. up enough in conversation. You're not really weird if you haven't seen Black Hole. I love that movie. Yeah. Um, our, our younger listeners are going, Black Hole? What? <laughs> Black Hole was a movie that came out around the same time as Star Wars. Um, one of them won. But I mean, even if you haven't seen Star Wars, you know what it is. It's enough of a cultural touchstone that's going to come up. You're weird if you don't know who Elvis is. You know, like that's that's weird. It just is. <laughs> I think that's changing. But El- okay, he's been- Elvis has been dead a long time. Yeah, he's been dead a long time. Mm-hmm. But I, well, but I, okay, fine. I think that even in 2019, I think you need to know who Michael Jackson is. Um, yeah. I don't think you need to know who El DeBarge was. And I liked El DeBarge a lot. Can I ask a question? Sure. Yeah. Um, so I want to know what you guys think about how much of that is actually related to, in particular for music, the changing landscape of the music industry. I mean, the fact that, you know, I think we touched on this a little bit earlier, that all of these kids that are growing up now are able to stream and pick and choose and, you know, really kind of live in their own niche. You know, how much of that is related to the fact that they're not going to know these people anymore just because that's just not how they're listening to music anymore. I, I think that's absolutely a part mm-hmm. of it. Um, you see, when I, you know, when I was growing up, whether it was movies or music or whatever, that limited option of, you know, I could listen to the albums I bought or that my friends had or whatever they chose to play on the radio. And that was kind of it. So there was that limited window into what was available. So you know, there are tons of classic albums that I have only listened to as an adult by virtue of Spotify. I've known they were out there, but I didn't have the money to buy all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew who Laurel and Hardy were and the Marx Brothers because you could still watch them at midnight on channels, you know, local channels or whatever. They replayed that stuff over and over. So you know, there was a more limited access to that stuff. But when's the last time you watched Thomas and Andy? Yeah, I, I mean, I grew up in the era of variety shows. So like all those old comedians of the 40s and 50s who were in their last legs were still appearing on the Dean Martin Variety Hour. So I had a window into these entertainers mm-hmm. of the past. I don't know that that happens in, in quite the same way now, unless you are you know, huge. You know, People know who you two are because they've never stopped touring and, and doing stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, let's say you know, I, I tap into Spotify and there's all these bands I've never heard of. Um, I, I, and that's the difference as well. You know, when I was when I was a teen, there was that the '50s revival, thanks to uh, Happy Days and American and graffiti. graffiti and whatever. Yeah. Um, so you know, I heard some of that '50s stuff, but I, you know, it wasn't like I was. 16 years old and really, really excited about going out and buying that, that Dion and the Belmonts album. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, come on, the Bo Brummels. <laughs> right. The Bo Brummels, as, as you mentioned uh, in your, your Facebook post. But I when I was 20 you know, some years ago working at a different comic shop, there was a, a 16 year old who worked there part time who came in like after Christmas and was completely, utterly psyched to have the Led Zeppelin box set. And that kind of hit me like, because Led Zeppelin never went away. But when I was 16, the idea of being that excited about music that came out 25 years ago by any band just wouldn't, that wouldn't have been a thing. And I think now I think that's really common. Mm -hmm. Again, I named my dissertation after a 70s song. Uh, More than a feeling, which by the way, one of my advisors was like, what do you mean more than a feeling is a pop culture reference? And I had to explain who Boston was. (laughs) Uh, 
And then I then I sent my new dissertation title to another committee member, and they said, "Love a good Boston illusion." So and I, I, I'm here to tell you, in 1977, government agents came to your house if you were a teenager and forced you to buy that album. <laughs> but, but like, it's also like there's also a way like that the way like entertainers make names for themselves has changed too, right? Like, I mean, there's still obviously like big record labels um, and like mainstream stuff like American Idol, though I guess American Idol is not, is not nor will ever be as big as it was when like Carrie Underwood won. Right. Um, but like, I mean, has anyone heard of Tessa Violet besides me? No. No. <laughs> yeah. We, we, we are I mean, old, Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, first of all, I went to her show in Durham and there were people your age there, not many. It was mostly like my age and then like teenagers, which was... We are old and lame, Hannah. Fine. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, she, my point is she's like an independent artist. Like she made a name for herself, like using like online platforms like YouTube. Mm-hmm. And there are artists that, you know, kickstart or like go fund me yeah. um whereas i mean that, i mean there's always been like artists who've been outside like the big studio system but like i don't think they fill like auditoriums and shows and venues in the same way that someone like tessa Viola does even if you haven't heard of her mm-hmm. well it's, it's that accessibility thing i mean so much of the the early punk movement was that diy attitude and there were small labels popping up and you bands would record an album and the hand cassettes out at shows and that sort of thing. But underground. You know, in, in, I mean, what's yeah, there, I mean, people on the underground people, yeah. people, people wandering yeah. around at dead concerts and just handing out their cassettes. Yeah. But you know, in, in 1982, black flag, could get their, their album out to the 14 people who came to their show. Now you can be a new band, post a YouTube video and 40 billion people can see it. If you're lucky. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so I mean, and you know, the chances are, are still rare, but it's possible mm-hmm. you can build that audience completely, utterly outside of that I mean, that traditional market. Probably the most successful person, Justin Bieber. That's how he did it, right? Justin Bieber yeah. was just some kid posting YouTube videos, and then you know he gets lucky and Usher sees it, and it's like, hey, I'm signing that kid. You know, that's mm. well, and we've we've talked about that with comics. You know, the you know, people who started out posting their their comics on their Tumblr blog, and now they're New York Times bestseller creators uh, outside of the the system of Marvel, DC, et cetera, et cetera. And I think it's great. I mean, that that can happen. I don't think it's even just age based. I think that I think Maurice is right. Like having having ready access to things um, that if you decide you want to start looking, I think that helps Um, to go back to music. A friend of mine who's my age, I remember him talking online, Facebook, Twitter, somewhere. um, But it's like six months ago. Oh my God, I've just discovered a new rap group. Everybody should check this out. I've been listening to their back catalog. Has anybody ever heard of Wu-Tang Clan? And I'm like, everyone's heard of Wu-Tang Clan. (laughs) He goes, goes, have you seen this? And I'm like, yes, I am familiar with the Wu-Tang Clan. And it's like, wow, these guys, I mean, are they still around? And I'm like, well, not all. I mean, ODB is dead. He's dead. I'm like, yeah, he's been dead for a while. (laughs) You know, know, like like there's, but, but to, um, to my friend, Wu-Tang was amazing. And and it was great because he was suddenly just sort of into it all of a sudden. And then we all started screwing with him. Right. He was like, well, you know, you guys should check this out. And I was like, whoa. And I'd, and, I, and I'd say something like, well, Wu-Tang, you know, that's for children. And, he's, and, he, <laughs> and he goes, oh, no, kids should 
didn't listen to this. And I'm like, no, no, dude, it's, it's part of <laughs> Wu-Tang Clan is for the children. And then other people kept saying that. And he's like, I don't understand why people are saying this. And I was like, okay, then you're not enough into the band yet because Wu-Tang Clan is for the children and Wu-Tang Clan is also nothing to fuck with. And he's just like, what? <laughs> now, if you're not a Wu-Tang fan, um, you have no idea what I'm talking about. But if you are a Wu-Tang Clan, you are laughing your ass off right now <laughs> because that's part of the mythology of Wu-Tang. And I've known this, you know, since I was listening to them back in 1991, 94, you know, like that's part of the Wu-Tang legend. But, you know, that's not if, if you discovered them in 2019, 2018, yeah. it's new to you. And for and him, there's that old adage of, you know, if you've never heard it before, it's right. new music. for him who was, you know, he's, like I said, he's 44, but he's, uh, and he's an upper middle class white kid who never, you know, like he probably didn't hear hip hop till college, like at all. So he's the opposite of me, you know, and and then like suddenly he just never encountered them. And he figured it out because probably either Spotify or Apple Music, he was just like, I would like to listen to some hip hop and see if and and he gets to them. He's like, wow, this is this is good. So I think it's great that like the industry I mean, there's a lot of problems with the with the music industry now, but the access that you can just decide, you know, I'm going to get into this and suddenly, you know, you know, Siri, make me a station of all new genre of music. You know, how many people are New Jack Swing fans besides me? <laughs> I, I, I found a I found a really cool Mongolian band over the weekend. <laughs> You should check it out. They're called Haya, but the the Y has the, it's like that. It's got like the line that goes up through the middle of the Y, like a yin symbol or, or like an inverse peace sign. Um, kind of like a peace <laughs> sign. So should we go around in a circle and each suggest a thing everyone should listen to? Sure. Mm. You should listen to Thought Form. That. <laughs> 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 uh, you're just trying to get Wayne to say Bowie. <laughs> no. I got my bingo. I don't need his. <laughs> um, well, I don't know, Hannah. Who should people listen to? Oh, uh, I like the freelance whales. Wow, I, I, I was really thinking Kesha would happen right there. <laughs> no, no, I was thinking like you know things that people might not listen to. Oh, um, obscure yeah. things. Yeah, and, and that's that's where my head was going. Um, and um, also, I, I, to go, I think probably really obscure. Uh, Joe Hurtler and the Rainbow Seekers. Um, apparently, like Joe is one of my cousin's high school friends, and he was playing at a festival. Hmm. My cousin took me to, and they're very good, and I enjoy listening to them. So. So shout out to this random guy who does not know who I am. <laughs> well, what does everyone else want people to listen to besides? Yeah, uh, yeah, Nicole. <laughs> Come back to me. I'm, I, I have so many. In, Indigo Girls and Rush. <laughs> well, I was going to pick some. I was going to suggest something else, but. Um, hmm. Well, see, in the meeting, I want to say like, well, it depends on your mood. I mean, if you want something more mellow, I would Lena McKinnon, if you want something, you know, more upbeat, um, Ellen James Society, or if you want to, you know, 
go to go into try the blues, go listen to some Robert Johnson. It's there's too much. There's too many choices. Yeah, yeah. As, as music fans, there's a you know I can start listening things all night. Yeah, Marisa, you're you're doing stuff what, like something new or, or what, what's turning you on these days with with music. Well, um, you know, I think everybody in the world and Max is not going to be surprised at this should listen to this really obscure band called Nine Inch Nails um, <laughs> that I am completely obsessed with. Um, but to go really wow, to be seriously more this. obscure, uh, <laughs> I am actually into goth and industrial music. And so a couple of uh, bands that are at the top of my list right now are going to be a band called Grendel and a band called Three Teeth. Really loving what they're doing these days. So highly recommend. And I'll plug my own band later. <laughs> uh, speaking of Grendel, one of my old favorite comic series by Matt Wagner, who did Maze, yeah. which you've all heard me talk about. His other character, Grendel, is coming back next month. So Ooh, nice. That, 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 that's a comic, not a goth band. Well, but. What, what should you be listening to while you're while you're reading Grendel? <laughs> uh, well, boy, it doesn't matter. Just because we're talking about it today, and I've been listening to a couple of their albums again now. There's, there's a, a British band in the the 1980s that I love that did like 13 albums that no one's ever heard of unless you've talked to me about it. A band called mm-hmm. the Jazz Butcher. Um, lead singer by the name of Pat Fish. The the band tended to change over time. Um, David Jay, who's a bass player in Bauhaus and Love and Rock, has played on a couple of his albums. That's like the most famous thing he ever got involved with. But he's kind of all over the map. I, I still really enjoy it. He, he can be incredibly funny and incredibly heartwarming. And, and, and yeah, I just, you know, have loved his stuff for a whole lot of years. And nobody ever... We're friends on Facebook now. <laughs> Uh, my musical tastes change daily depending on like the mood, the mood I'm in. It, yeah. I mean, I like, um, right now, like probably as soon as we're done recording, I'm going to listen to some new Jack swing just because I was just talking about it. So, so yeah, I'm, I, I think everybody should go out and listen to some Tony, Tony tone. Oh, I know the other day I pulled up into the gas station and parked across from me. There was like this 65 year old white guy in a convertible with the top down blasting Teddy Pendergrass. He was listening to love TKO. And I just like to believe that this guy's musical taste just stopped in like 1984. And he was like, all right, everything up until now, this is what I have to listen to. So he was in a mood. He was listening to love TKO. And that's what I recommend. Teddy Pendergrass. Everybody should listen to some Teddy P. I called my mom. I told her about it. And she was like, oh, did you give him my number? And I was like, no, because I didn't even think about it. If he was playing Turn Out the Lights, I would have fucked him myself. So, yeah, everybody go out. Listen to Teddy P. You'll thank yourself. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to throw one more in there. I The uh, band... Um... I listened once again, listened to in the early 80s. They did two albums back then and then disappeared. Band called The Nails, not Nine Inch Nails, but Band called The Nails. If you've ever heard a best of new wave compilation, you may have heard the song 88 Lines about 44 Women. Um, that That's the one thing they had that was kind of a hit. Um, and it's not really, it's a song I like a lot, but it's not really representative of the rest of their sound. They're, they're kind of dark and moody and poetic and just, yeah, just two albums I, I really like a lot and tend to forget when people ask me what my favorite albums are. So, so, there, so it there it is. Have we resolved anything? <laughs> no, we haven't resolved anything. Double bingo. I have one final point. Yeah. I just, I just wanted to point out that the engineer who discovers um, a good fusion reactor or faster than light travel or whatever, 
while tripping her brains out on acid is much more likely to be listening to Tool <laughs> and to Taylor Swift. <laughs> By like an order yeah. of magnitude. I bet you did. Is there anyone in this room who thinks that Taylor like, is a fan of Taylor Swift? No, I mean, she's fine. I have, uh, see, I am, see, but oddly enough, I am a big Britney Spears fan, which is completely different from the, most of the stuff I normally listen to, but I love Britney. So. Yeah, I, I, I'm not. I don't dislike her. I just, I, I understand why she is what she is. And I think that's kind of the nice thing about music today. Obviously, I'm a big hip hop fan. I'm a big R&B fan. Cause that's what I grew up listening to. We've had we've had the show before where the music, the music that is the soundtrack of your life is whatever you were listening to when you were 13 years old. And it's just it, it imprints on you. Maybe you're 15 somewhere in there. And that's just that's your music from there on out. You know who did that with me? David Bowie. <laughs> Bingo. Bingo. Did I finish the card? Uh, yeah. But um, yeah, there, but I think that, you know, what's great about this whole new world where you can randomly just hear stuff. Sometimes I will just, you know, tell my iPhone to just play some random new music while I'm reading or, you know, studying or, or writing or whatever. And then sometimes you, you just discover somebody new. I was doing a photo shoot. I also worked as a photographer. I was doing a photo shoot a couple of years ago and I just had random music playing off my iPhone, um, off Apple music while we were shooting photos. And I'd never heard of Charlie Puth before. And Charlie Puth has a duet that he sings with Megan Trainer called um, Let's Marvin Gaye and Get It On. Like that was over. And I'm like, OK, yeah, I need to buy this album. So I think that's great in that, you know, you can be exposed to different stuff now. So way outside of my wheelhouse mm-hmm. other than Charlie Puth. Wu-Tang forever. <laughs> so on that note, <laughs> new person first, Marisa, what do you want to plug? I'd like to plug my own band. I am a vocalist in a Pittsburgh dark indie electronic duo called Illusion of Joy. You can find us on Facebook or at illusionofjoy.net. And she'll be linked in the show notes. Yeah. Thank you. for Thanks for coming on the show, Marisa. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's been really fun. <laughs> Maximilian. Um, uh, um, well, I'm always in the show notes, but you know, it really helped me out if everyone could go check out my YouTube channel <laughs> and subscribe to it. Uh, and you get to see Max standing away playing kind of a washboard with LEDs in it. <laughs> yeah, that's the worst. Which, which, which I, I've watched some of the Max. I, I am fascinated watching you do that. Explain to the listeners what I'm talking I about. I, I don't understand it at all. I don't yeah, I have no on, idea what this you're is actually doing. Cool. This is actually cool. I'm just making fun of him because he's my friend. Explain to him exactly what the Linstrom is. It, it's, it's magic, guys. <laughs> it is. It's, it's a multidimensional polyphonic expression MIDI controller. Well, that explains everything. It does. So basically, you can touch it and it will do stuff <laughs> with the way you touch it and not just, you know, because you're pushing a button. So it's like much, yeah. more, much more like a guitar or a violin or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, I have, I've been fascinated just watching you do some of that mm-hmm. stuff. So. Nicole. Nicole, uh, don't have anything like it's just for me, but I will point out that uh, I oversee the comics area of the po- National Popular Culture Association, and we are take, currently taking abstracts for the conference in the spring. So if I'm fair, there are lots of areas, that not just the comics area, but the comics area is the best. Uh, you can go yes, to the PCA. ACA.org and find out, uh, browse the areas, see if you want to submit. The conference is in April in Philadelphia. In theory, we'll probably all go to that again. I'm certainly going to go, provided I get accepted to a paper topic that I have yet to determine. 
Deadline is November 1st, so you have time. I, I have, I know in general what I'm doing. I just need to. Yeah, I actually like Wayne's, Wayne's topic idea um, a lot. So maybe I'll steal it and do it first. <laughs> no, I won't. Do, I won't do that. <laughs> Palindrome Hannah. Um, by the way, that's a subplot of Midsomar. Uh, so maybes don't do that. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Hannah Lee Rogers, where I tweet about nothing important. I don't really know why you'd want to follow me, honestly. It's not <laughs> uh, actually you're quite amusing on twitter but it's not you know who's not amusing on twitter that would be me wayne <laughs> where can people find you here <laughs> um, a, a random google search of my name will turn up all kinds of things that i've written but, uh, oh, i'm gonna type that in right now yeah not just on my blog but articles and, and book reviews and marisa years ago i, I wrote uh, music reviews and then CD reviews and concert previews and that sort of thing for in Pittsburgh, which was a news weekly for years. For the record, the first thing that pops up is Wayne Wise obituary. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. It'd be great. Is it dated tomorrow? Oh, because like, well, that's, that's news to me. <laughs> uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Chris Maverick or on my own blog at www.chrismaverick.com. You can follow the show on Twitter or Instagram or or Facebook at Vox Popcast on the show's blog at www.voxpopcast.com. You can subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or wherever the hell else you get podcasts from. And if you do that, please, actually, even if you don't do that, just do us a favor and go on there and leave us a five star review. If you leave us a five star review, write a little something, something that confuses the iTunes algorithm and makes us more popular because I want to be more relevant than Tool or Taylor Swift. That is my dream. I need this. And it remain a dream. <laughs> hey, you know, it will also help Hannah and I find jobs, probably, if they're like, hey, we're the number one podcasters in the I can't help all of us find jobs. That's true. <laughs> we're starving artists <laughs> and academics. Um, so we'd appreciate that. I would like to thank this bum named Maximilian of some place called Thought Farm Music for our epic theme song, building ever so more epically and playing us out. He should be here playing it live. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> Next time. <laughs> I'd like to thank you at home for listening. Thank you again to all of our guests. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Please calm down. The music and everything. everything. Said, um, I went and bought me an outfit today that costed a lot of money today. You know what I mean? Because I figured that Wu-Tang was going to win. I don't know how y'all see it, but when it comes to the children, Wu-Tang is for the children. We teach the children. You know what I mean? Puffy is good, but Wu-Tang is the best, okay? I want y'all to know that this is ODB and I love you all. Peace. Thank you, Mr. Is this us? Yeah. I'm confused now. <laughs>